guys and welcome to Bring On The United Podcast with me Connor and as always I am with Zach. I, I did think of cancelling it this week. Um, I just, I'm running out of words. I, I, just, I don't know how to host a podcast anymore. I don't know how to talk about Manchester United without saying the same three words over and over again. Pile of shit. You think each week we've hit the new rock bottom and then the following week we slide even further down. I just four 0 to Brentford, and oh, first time we've lost there in eighty years. I don't think my grandma was alive the last time we beat them. Uh, they beat us, sorry. And yeah, here we are once again talking about how did Manchester United fix this? I just don't think there's an answer anymore. I, we are a broken team. They are broken players. I just don't think there's a way back for some of these now. You did think under Ten Hag there was going to be this fresh start, this fresh impetus. But I don't know if there is anymore. I just think these players are just fundamentally broken from what's happened over the last 12 to 15 months since the Europa League final uh, in Gdansk. And it's so sad to see. But yeah, I'll bring in Zach now. And we've got to go talk and dwell on Brighton too much, I don't think. I think a lot's been said by others. Let's just not ponder on it too long. Well, I tried to cheer everybody up on Saturday night by posting a little clip from the last podcast we did where I made my prediction for the Brentford game. And if you haven't seen it, it wasn't the best prediction. I may or may not have said I thought we were going to smash them and come out aggressive and, you know, heavily beat them. Safe to say I was wrong or maybe we should just pretend I was a Brentford fan and then it would have been accurate. But yeah... As you say, I don't know what the answer is anymore. We've tried every different manager. We've tried different players, different formations. I've got absolutely no clue. And the depressing thing is, I actually went back and had a look. I'll ask you now, can you remember what the first game was that we reviewed on this podcast? Um, I do. I think it was reviewed or pre... I was it Arsenal? It was the three... Arsenal game last season. Yeah. Which means, since we've done this podcast, we've not reviewed a single United win that has actually meant anything. Because really, that Arsenal game was the end of the season. When we lost that, that was it for top four. We got the win against Brentford last game of last season, 3-0. But this entire... Is that the one? It might be. We got, a good... we got a decent draw with Chelsea at Old Trafford when Ronaldo yeah. scored that really good finish. Um, yeah, we lost to City. Yeah, we lost got battered by Liverpool. Lost us Brighton. Oh, yeah, my I think... God. Apart from pre-season wow. games, that's the only win we've had since we started the podcast. I mean, genuinely, people are going to be blown away when they listen to us after United have won a proper game. Like, we're going to be bouncing off the walls. Yeah. Like, it's just depressing at this point. Like, that is scary now. Like, I did think in my head, I'm like, we've not really won many games. But yeah, we've literally won one. And it was the most pointless game ever. So, yeah. I mean, literally, who knows at this point? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't. I'm gutted. I mean, so let's just talk about the game for a brief second. Of course, much has been made of the lying up. You know, a lot of Martinez, which I don't think has been too fair. I mean, the first two goals were two nil down because of David De Gea. No hiding away from that. No, no running away from the fact David De Gea put us two nil down. First simple save. He's done that a few times now. And then the second goal, what the fuck is he doing? You are a Premier League goalkeeper. You, you was one of the best in the world. Even a League 2 goalkeeper. A, a Sunday League goalkeeper. If a Sunday League goalkeeper did that, 
they'd be absolutely torn apart. These guys play for Manchester United, and he's making that pass. You could save a son, you can't see the Brentford player behind Ericsson. But the shape they've got there, we Manchester United must be the only club where they take the short kick, but wait for the opposition to get up high so they can press them. David De Gea and Harry Maguire, Lindelof last season, they always waited for that, for that man, that striker, to right behind them before making that pass. And it's just pathetic. We're already 2 0 down. We've got a bloody game on it. You know, we've got to climb up an uphill mountain, and it's just never going to happen. Third goal, again, fourth. You know, they would just always go come. But we lost that game after them two goals are gone in. Like, Martinez should be getting blamed there. But it's the players, you know, you look at our front forward line Sancho, Rashford, Bruno. None of them look the same. They just, they are fundamentally broken. I just don't know how we repair them. I think Bruno can be repaired, I don't think he's as damaged as much, but Sancho and Rashford are a shell of whatever they used to be. Shaw and Maguire are a shell of what they used to be. Yeah, well to touch on like the first one, David De Gea, yeah, infuriating. You know, the, fir the first goal's bad enough, but it happens. The second goal's just stupidity, but it it comes down to this. I mean, how old is De Gea? Exactly. He's 20, 30, 30, 30. 30. So he's been a professional goalkeeper now for over a decade. We know his abilities. We know what he can do and what he can't do. And we know that his distribution is poor. The best thing to do is just hoof it long. Like We've got to a point now, like that first game preseason against Liverpool, I remember everybody was getting all excited. Oh my God, Tenag is going to make him this ball-playing goalkeeper. No, if he's got to 30 years old and he can't do it, you're not going to teach him now. Just hoof it long. And, you know, I, it's interesting. Sky Sports put out that thing the other day, didn't they? That green, amber, red list of Manchester United signings. And I remember a we'll lot of people... We'll talk about that, yeah. Yeah, we'll go on to that. The quick one is Maran Fellaini. A lot of people saying he should have been higher. What, one of my favourite things about Fellaini back in the day was he made up for De Gea not being able to distribute properly because De Gea could literally just boot it. And you just put Fellaini in the middle of the park and he'd bring it down. Like, I guess maybe we don't have the players to do that, but it'd be so much safer. Just get it long. You know, if we lose the ball up in their half, we can regroup, win it back. But yeah, as you say, the second that we lost that ball for the second goal, it was done. You know, it was a free goal. It's, it's mental. But yeah, again, then touching on what you said about other players, that's our biggest problem. This team is filled with players who, if they all played to the best of their ability be fantastic but every single player has crashed and hit the lowest points of their career at the same time i mean it is awfully un unlucky in some ways but then you have got to think that there is some sort of co you know it's not a coincidence there has to be an explanation between every single one of them suddenly playing bad so i don't know but you know it, in some ways it, it's a good thing because it means that maybe they could all get good just as quickly but yeah right now I mean, we said at the end of last season, the one good thing is it can't get any worse. No, it can. And it is getting worse and worse and worse. I mean, this is the first time in my life I think I've seen United bottom of the league. And I don't like it. No, oh, it's awful, awful, awful. Um, I mean, just that... We, we, I can remember one chance we had in that game. And it was for a Bruno just after he scored. And he skied it again, similar to the chance here against Brighton. And that's the only real chance I feel like we had. And it's just, that's just... As poor as we were defensively, I know when you're 2-0 down, it's hard to get going again. But we weren't creating chances. We dominate possession. We had more shots, not more shots on target. We didn't really ever challenge Gary Rea. We just... 
we're just looking poor, we're looking average, we're looking bland as anything. And yeah, I mean, fair play to Brighton, but I mean, Manchester United were in deep, deep trouble. There's, there's no hiding away from that, there's no running away from that, there's no sugarcoating it anymore, there's no caveats to it like with Rannick or um, this season were over months ago. We're at the beginning of the season and we are awful. We're a mess. On, off the pitch, everywhere you look, Manchester United are a mess of a football team. And it's going to, it's going to get a lot worse, I feel, before it gets any better. I've got to be honest, and like this is difficult because like someone could pull something up and I might go, oh yeah, I'm being stupid. This might be the worst result I've ever seen as a United fan because, as you said, it's context. Under Fergie, we lost games, like the 6-1 against City, but it didn't really matter. Like, you know, you just bounce back. Uh, you know, under David Moyes, like, I can't really remember, like, getting smashed a lot. Um, under Mourinho, same again, like Van Hull. I, I remember, obviously, Oli, we got smashed a couple of times, but you just bounce back and act like nothing had happened, and you get yeah. smashed again. Ranit, we got smashed a lot, but you never really cared because it was an interim manager. This one is tough because... It's a second defeat in a row to start the season against two much smaller clubs than us. And we big this up as the start of the new era. That's why it's tough. That's why this one sucks. Because you are like, well, I don't know where we go. You're not going to get rid of Eric Ten Hag. But you also don't back us to go and sign all the players he wants. Because firstly, we've got the Glazers. But secondly... We're now seeing players just don't want to come to Manchester United. And if they didn't want to come before the season started, we've not really done anything in the first two games to, you know, change their minds. It's a scary time now. Like, I know people, like, joke about relegation and stuff. Look, United aren't going to go down. Let's not be realistic. Let's be realistic, you know. We, we will pick up a few points. We'll get a bit of momentum at some point. But we're not finishing in Europe playing like this. There are so many teams in this league better than us. Like it's just gonna be awful. It's not gonna, like it's just not gonna be good. We stink on the pitch and off the pitch we absolutely reek. It's just gone from bad to worse with all this transfer nonsense. All this stuff with the glazers of course, which we'll get into, which seems to be heating up day by day, minute by minute. And yeah, the, the transfer policy, Eric Tankhard being let down, we all know that. And I just this week's just been weird with transfers. You, I've, we've been linked with every player under the sun. Bamiyan, Rabiot, Alnatovic, uh, now Casemiro, Pulisic, uh, Thomas Munier, uh, Sommer, you name it. Jamie Vardy, Alvaro Morata. We've just been it's panic mode now. This reeks of desperation. This is worse than the six-nil loss to Tottenham, where we went outside Cavani and Tellez. This is worse than Van Gaal's slow start to the season when he got Falcaoing on loan. This is just a mess. They don't know what they're doing, where to turn to, who to turn to. The players are apparently trying to make, make, tell the board to sign players now. Eric Ten Hag's fuming behind the scenes. He's being hung out to dry. And we we're the, we probably are the worst one club in the Premier League. And that's why we're bottom of the league. Because we've got no plan. We've got no direction. We've got nothing. We are, we are foot really off the pitch. And it's showing right now. We've walked away from the Rabiot deal because his mother was asking for too high of a wages. Fair play. But why were we in for him in the first place? It is actually quite terrifying. Because I remember like me and you both saying, it doesn't actually matter who you sign in terms of names this window. 
it's about doing what the manager wants. It's about selling the players he doesn't want and buying the players that he does. We're literally playing lucky dip. We are, you know, just going on a random like wheel generator, putting in a load of names from the top five leagues in Europe and whatever comes out, we're like, yeah, we'll pop a bid in. You know, none of these players were on the shortlist at the start. Like, you know, m- maybe a couple of the ones that we were linked with after De Jong, you, you could believe there's like second choices, but like Casemiro, where's this come from? Like, I love Casemiro. I think, you know, one of the best defensive midfielders of the last sort of decade, but you can't tell me that he was at one of our original plans. Otherwise, a name that big would have been surely like further up the list. So, yeah, it's just lucky dip now. And, you know, look, maybe someone comes in and they work and they change the team, but nah. And, uh, you know, more more importantly, if I'm any of these players getting approached by Manchester United now, I'm immediately blocking the number and never replying. You know, you're obviously not a first choice. You're a panic buy. You go into the club that's the bottom of the league, that's, you know, the players don't want to be there. The players are all moaning and complaining. It's moving in the wrong direction. Yeah, this is this is like bad. It's, it's really bad. Yeah. Um, I just, it did start up, you know, the list of names that came up with some of your, you saw it, Ted Hag, he's a man who wants certain players, the right player, as he was saying, not two weeks ago. Um, it's got to be the right player, the right person, the right fit. And then after that Brighton defeat, that all went out the window. And we was, we started playing transfer football manager, looking at every 30 striker, 30 plus striker who you could get on a cheap, looking at midfielders who cause problems. You know, this bores for too long. We thought we got rid of Woodward and people were patient with John Murta because at the start of the summer it seemed well this Dion thing probably not his fault but but now we really are at the point where it is panic you know panic stations but the button's been pressed we don't know what we're doing uh, Ten Hag can't get who he wants he can't get out who he wants you know people are, we've only sold Andres Pereira this summer that's all we've sold and now we're talking about Jimmy Garner going fair enough we were saying last week he probably won't get in next week who knows what's going to happen to him it's just there's no plan there's no direction there's, there's no nothing it's laughable it's it's stupid it's pathetic this club is a circus once again it's, it's taken one month from this club to be taken to seem fairly well when uh, Myrtle and uh, Arnold was in Barcelona to it being a fucking joke once again the clowns are back in town the circus is out in full and we're on the point of Revolt. We're on the point of, you know, absolute carnage happening at Old Trafford because no one is happy. The fans are at boiling point. We can't take any more of this. It's a, it's jokes. And when and when you see things, you know, like we're going to move on to the owners in a second. When they get defended, fair enough. These players have to take responsibility for some of these performances. But when the club is rotting head to toe, you're not going to be able to perform well. But then you see people like Simon Jordan, Jamie Redknapp going out to defend these people, spouting lies, I might add, about what they've done. You look at Old Trafford, you look at everything. Well, a business, going ever say it best, if this was any other business and it was performing this poorly, the bosses right at the top have to go. But in football, it's always the middleman, the manager, the players. We don't look at the top 
And these people have let this football club go to the shit. They've just let it go. They didn't care. They were still getting their money. They were still getting their dividends. They were still getting everything they wanted out of Manchester United. Milking it for every single penny they can get. So they can sit in their nice Florida house and probably feed a million of it to the alligators they see. It's been awful what this football club's been through. And just because they were successful for a bit, and the Manchester United, they've got the biggest stadium, they've got the biggest everything, it's been let to go. And only in the last two or three weeks have people in the media, I'll always give Henry Winter credit and a few other journalists like that, they've always been on the Glazers. But when you see people like Carvey Solical at Sky, championing it, tweeting about it all the time, where have you been for the last 20 years, mate? You were more than happy to slag United off a month ago when you thought things would go, go well. But now, yeah, you try to become a champion of the people. Fair enough. But where have you been for the last 20 years while it's been happening? And so it does feel like it is coming to a pass now. One of us, something has to give. It can't keep going on like this. He was at the ground the other week when people were chanting about him wanting to die. He, he must know now. He must have been there to feel that and see what happened before the game. It's got to give at one point, one way or another. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely spot on with like everything you've said. Um, it does feel like it's coming to a sort of crescendo now. Like something has to happen. I guess the difficult thing is like none of us are really involved in the world of business. Like I don't fully understand like how United falling as a club affects them. Like are they going to just keep on taking their money out? Like we, we'll never know how their heads work. Like th these guys are just mental and they don't care you know like it got to this point with Newcastle and then lasted for many many more years so without trying to be like Mr Negative but it is quite a negative time at the moment like we don't know this could keep going but you're looking at it now it's obvious how hated they are and how much everybody wants them out the club is moving in the wrong direction you look at things that you know you, you look at things that like make money for the owners playing European football there won't be European football next year at this point. Uh, you know, signing big players who then sell shirts. That's not happening at the moment because nobody wants to come. TV deals. Well, United are going to get put on less and less TV games. You know, City and Liverpool are going to start taking those slots in the next couple of years because who cares about watching a team that's rotting in mid-table? So, you know, you, you look at then reports that there are, what, up to three consortiums thinking about putting bids in. If there was ever a time that they were going to sell, you're thinking it is now. But as I said, I don't fully understand how it works from a business point of view. They could still be making all their money and they might not care. But it feels like something is changing. And, I mean, it is quite a scary time because it could be changed. Like, if they decide not to sell, it's changing in a very bad way. And we need to seriously lower our expectations because this club is just going to keep on going and keep on falling. And if it turns out that they don't care, we are screwed. But if this ultimately means, what, a year, a couple of years of, like, rubbishness, but it gets them to sell, that's something. And it, and it could be that this is the beginning of the new era. We thought it was going to happen when Ten Hag came in nah no manager is going to fully save this maybe some managers could come in and you know do what you know Mourinho and Van Hal did they might fluke a couple of trophies but nobody gets Manchester United back to anywhere near where they used to be I mean what this is showing us now is Fergie was absolutely incredible how he managed to do what he did with these owners fair play because no one else has done it since or even come close
Yeah, I mean, when we saw Cristiano the first time, he was giving Owing, Owing, Orbitan and Valencia, and then somehow got to the Champions League final the next year, and won the Premier League. What three out of four years after his departure? But it was it was incredible. It's mental. But like one of my favourite things on Twitter is like every sort of few months that tweet will come back around where someone will say, "Ah, oh, Fergie won't be able to deal with the Premier League in its current era." Baffling. Like, Fergie would somehow find a way to get this team to compete with Klopp and Guardiola. And I would love to see it. Never going to happen, but I'd be fascinated. But yeah, I mean, obviously, we'll talk about it now. The um, what, what we expect to happen on Monday night. Um, I'm expecting what? I'm going to say 20... I don't even know how many. 10,000, 15,000 not to be in the ground. Um obviously there's the empty old traffic thing going around uh, at the moment I do love them accounts but I know they can't get to the game it's not their fault but them ones pressuring people to do it uh, who have never been all traffic or never been to a game like it is easy for them to do it but I mean I do expect I'd say 10,000 so I'm guessing that's what quite a bit of a ground to be empty um what are your what are you thinking about this do you think it will have any impact at all will it be, I mean it'll be quite visible 10,000 empty seats I feel but I, I don't know if if it'll be as impactful as people are thinking you know where it'll be 30,000 empty seats or something like that I still feel it won't be that much we've got to remember like Manchester United is a massive global club so for something like hashtag empty Old Trafford to become this big like <sighs> The percentage of people doing it who are actually going to the games is probably tiny. And that's not me trying to call out fans from abroad or anything. That's me saying, like, they are the majority of Manchester United fans. So whilst this thing feels massive, there is every chance that, you know, yeah, there aren't actually that many people who would have been going to the game anyway that are retweeting it. And Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like, this is something that is very much driven by people who aren't going to go to the game it is just the question of whether it gets through to the people who would go to the game personally as of right now i think i'm gonna go and it's, it's a it's a difficult one because i absolutely understand the reasoning behind it my my thoughts on it are i, I don't know if it will make a difference it's, it's difficult because the last couple of days of maybe change my opinion on that seeing like today i mean i've seen apparently the glazers would be open to selling a minority of their share which makes me think oh they are taking notice but my opinion of like the bigger picture is you know the club made a record profit during covid i don't know if they really care if people don't go if people protest i it's such a, it's such a difficult one because because maybe maybe i should and I, I you know i think a lot about it but then ultimately it comes down to like I just love going. It's it's such a thing for me. And maybe that is selfish, but it costs so much money. I also want to get behind the team because I'm like, look, if the Glazers aren't going to go, I want the best for Manchester United. Like these players, I want Eric Ten Hag to know he's got our support. It is a very difficult one. And I, I'm going to be honest, this last couple of days has definitely got me thinking. And I'm not 100% sure I'm going to go. But, you know, fair play. Because when the movement first started, I was very much one of those who went, oh, you know, this is mainly fans who aren't going to go. They don't understand and everything. And the more it's gone and the more arguments I've seen, the more the more I am, like, leaning towards it. 
Yeah. I'm not a yeah. It's a difficult one. Like, I don't think there is a straight answer. Will it immediately get the Glazer to sell? No. Oh, Could it no, make a no. difference potentially? And it's just weighing I, up for us fans. Is it worth the cost? You know, and, and missing out on that. What, what are you yeah. thinking? No. So my feeling is, it needs to be. It, fair enough, if it was thirty thousand or something against Liverpool, you know, or a mass walkout. If they all went in and then walked out, I feel like that's more impactful. But then again, standing in front of the, um, getting that, uh, getting the megastore shut down again, stuff like that. If they can stand in front of that megastore where they have to shut it down again, like they did for that Brentford match, that can have an impact. But I just feel like it needs to be that statement that, like the Liverpool game that was called off that time, mm. but that's crossing the line of what happened there. Obviously, there was a few things that, you know, so it, it does have to, it's that balance, but I do feel it has to be a, to, you know, to get that message to the Glazers again. It does need something like what happened that time. Well, the problem but, is, is if if you have say fifty thousand people go, you don't achieve the feeling of like not like you know people not going because on TV it'll still look fairly full. They'll still get all their money from tickets, and you know like there will still be the majority of fans there. But what it means is the stadium is a bit quieter. The players feel less supported. It almost has a negative negative, as you say. If we could get everyone to not go. But that's just quite unrealistic. Like you know, it's completely unrealistic, and that's one of the negatives of supporting a club like Manchester United. Trying to get an entire fan base behind one thing, it just doesn't happen. It just can't happen. No, uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm glad people are doing this. Um, and yeah, I, I think it will. Like the actual protest itself will go well. It's just whether it has the long-term legs and impact just to go that bit further because maybe we get use every week for a few weeks or something i don't know not just for big t you know when we play who arsenal next i think actually and then leagues yeah if you do it against them as well if you start doing it, i understand obviously missing two or three games but just to get that even just getting that message across or having a walkout because everyone was supposed to do that walkout weren't we against brighton it's no one did it i think i think the i think the other thing as well I, no, not I, I Brent, think brentford I, i'd point this out as well this is where like for, for like me and you were very lucky we get to go to a lot of united games like there are people who'll be going for the first time on monday and that's where it's like you know there'll be kids going you know and there, there's always been a part of me with these protests that's felt our generation has been quite unlucky you know like we're almost sort of guilted into doing things that normal fans used to enjoy doing like buying shirts and that sort of stuff and i'm like <sighs> it's difficult because it's different context you know say you're a united fan from japan and you've flown over and this is the only game you're ever going to get to go to you know it's you've got to look at different people's circumstances so i, I do i do understand both points of it but yeah it's, it's a difficult no. one but i am fascinated to see what happens and you know i hope whatever happens it has an impact and it opens their eyes and everyone's happy but yeah i've got no idea yeah i mean we've got to go touch on the game i don't think just because there's very little to talk. I don't even want to think about the game. Yes, Darwin Nunes is out, but we are we're on the floor. We could lose five nil again. I just don't want to think about it. <laughs> so we'll talk about some transfers because who loves a bit? Who doesn't love a bit of transfer gossip? I so we'll don't. just talk about two players. <laughs> I'm getting sick of it too. <laughs> don't you worry. Uh, we'll talk about two players who we're newly linked with now. First up, I, I won't even get Pulisic. Quick files. We'll do thirty seconds each on each one. Pulisic, I, I like the idea of it. I think as a loan signing, I think we need depth on the wing. Um, 
I think he's had very good moments. He is quite injury prone, but again, you get him in on loan, it doesn't really make a difference. It's not my money, it's their money. So, you know, if they if they, you know, just pay him a decent wage, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think he could easily challenge to get that left wing spot off Rashford if Rashford doesn't sort his game out. But yeah, more than anything, it's about depth. We've got a lot of games this season. I I'd take him on loan, definitely. Um who next? Uh, Casemiro what do you think of him uh, I love Casemiro um, again when, when we get linked with players normally I have to hold my hands up and say I've, I've never really watched them play I've, I've barely seen Adrian Rabio play but I have watched quite a lot of Casemiro over the years obviously he's been a part of we can probably start to call this Real Madrid team one of the most uh, successful football teams ever with everything that they've won and he's been a big part of that whether he comes into the Premier League at this age and works, whether we can come into this United team and change everything, literally who knows? You just don't have a clue. But of all the CDMs, I've really wanted him before at United. Difficult to get excited about anyone at this time. And and it does worry me a little bit that surely he drops Varane and Ronaldo, his old mates, a text, and they both tell him to steer way clear. But he is definitely a world-class CDM, and we've been crying for one for a long time. So I'd like to see it. Right, let's finish up on the uh, the thing Neville and Carragher did, the green, amber, red thing. And let's just talk about it. Like, we'll start in red. We'll start with the players who I agree to be in red, and then we'll see if you agree. Marcus Rojo, yes. Di Maria, definitely. Memphis Depay, yeah. Bastian, yep. Damian, yep. Schneiderling, definitely one of the worst, I believe that. Martial, definitely not. We're going to talk about that. That's a stupid one. Eric Bailly, I'd say so. Mkhitaryan, didn't work out. Paul Pogba, 100%. Victor Lindelof, red signing. I wouldn't say so. Romelu Lukaku, yep. Sanchez, yes. Dallo, yep. Dan James, not at all. The only player we've ever made money on. <laughs> That's hard. Just that okay. alone, he could be in green. We made money on the guy. Wambasaka, yep. Donny van der Beek, of course. Tellez, yep. Ahmad, yep. Juan Mata, I mean, what were they thinking there? Justice for Maran one. Maran I know. No, he wasn't. And then we've got Sancho and Varane, who were, who were weird ones for me. I mean... It's too yes, early. Sky Sports. Oh, sorry. Sky Sports. The Glazer family considering selling minority stake in Man United, according to Bloomberg. Way... I mean, there we go. I don't know if that actually means anything, selling a minority share, but it's something. I mean, what we talk, I think the only, you know, because obviously they have the thing on the stock market. So we're talking what, I think it'd be something like 25, 30% probably. I don't know. We'll see how that develops. It's a start. But yeah, it's a start. Back to this. Do you agree with most players in there? Yeah, I mean we've had a lot of terrible signings I think yeah. I think the thing with this list is as you say Sandra and Varane it's a bit unfair really like especially on Varane I just don't think he's going to work unfortunately it, it, as I said on the last podcast I'm gutted that he has to sit on our bench at the moment but yeah. you've got to give Martinez the chance Maguire's the captain and as you rightfully corrected me last time he did alright against Brighton Brentford nobody did well uh, no. But it is hard to drop him. And, and yeah, Varane will have his time over the season playing in cups and stuff. But it, it's not been the signing it should have been. But Sancho, you've got to give him a chance. 
I, I get that they were trying to make the list and they had to put everyone somewhere and you can't really justify for his price him being in amber or green yet but I wouldn't pay any attention to him being in red you know he's, no. he's got plenty of time but yeah I mean I guess... who, who would you say is the worst player we've signed on there I mean I, I've got to go Sanchez yeah I think I think that's hard to, to disagree on I'm, I'm trying to think like in my head like I mean, again like it, it's difficult because like you talk like price and like what they've done to the club Pogba yeah. has done a lot of damage to this club but you can't argue that he had his We've moments got six years he, yeah. he had his moments and he contributed towards winning stuff you know yes he deserved to be in red but he did stuff like Di, Di Maria was awful um, again but had a couple of money back. games but yeah God, I'm, I'm trying to like I'm trying to I'm... Sanchez I think yeah, it's just hard because to argue the it. wages the wages and we had to pay out his contract in the end yeah and the damage he did and he did nothing I can think of that semi-final goal against Tottenham that's about it at least with Di Maria it was very year we paid 60 we got 55 we lost 5 million we cut it cut us ties yeah Couldn't I, be I, that I bad. probably agree on that I think that's good especially because Sanchez was Premier League proven like yeah. of of all the other ones, like you look at someone like Depay, obviously a class player. I just don't Got think he was million. ready for that stage. Again, but, I think we broke even on Depay as well. Yeah, I mean, but you know, you just get some players that they're not built to play for a team like Manchester United, and that's fine. But Sanchez, it should have been a match made in heaven, and it just wasn't. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're going to talk about filling it matter blind and Martial in a sec because they're the only four I don't think should be in there at all. I'd be putting Martial, Blind and Fellaini in amber, along with Herrera, Shaw, Matic, Fred, Maguire, Cavani, Ronaldo. So, do you agree with putting Daily Blind there? I mean, he was part of one of our best defences. Yeah, I mean, Daily Blind was just a ridiculously underrated player. I got why people got frustrated with him, but again, it's... At that time, we weren't that far removed from, you know, your Vidic, Ferdinand, Evra. Like, I know he played a bit of left-back, a bit of centre-back. He played a bit of CDM as well. Like, you know, he was very versatile and never, like, shone in one of those positions. But he was just such a handy player to have. And it always baffled me at the time that of all of our defenders at that point, he was the one that went first. And now we're yeah. seeing it. He's playing for Ajax. Like, he's playing at a good level. Like... He's, yeah, he, he was a good player. Again, he's the sort of player that was never going to take us back to the top. But no. with the benefit of hindsight and realizing now, realizing now how far off we were. Like when we finished second with Oli, we knew like how far off we were. But back when we finished second with Mourinho, we thought that you know we were we were coming back. Like nah, we weren't. And he did a decent job, got us a couple of trophies in and was a handy player you could rely on. So, yeah, I mean, he doesn't deserve to be branded with some of the players down in that red category. Yeah. Um, Fellaini, outside of that first season, was actually decent, I thought. You know, he, we utilised him well under Fangal and Mourinho. He wasn't that bad. But... Now, Fellaini had a use. Fellaini had a use. I remember times where he got booed and times where he was abysmal. But, yeah, again, it's almost, I, th I feel like this list just needed a couple more tiers. It's not that Fellaini yeah. deserves to be on the same level as some of the players in Amber. It's just that he doesn't deserve to be branded with Morgan Schneiderlin. No. I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo, I can see why he's in Amber. I mean, it, he should have been green, but he, it's just not happened. Fred, M Matic, very happy there in Amber. And yeah. Herrera, 
I could make an argument for him being in green, but he was never going to be that player who pushed us on to the next level. So I can see why he's like, he's like the best Amber signing for me. Actually, I wanted him in green because he spat on the badge at the Etihad. Yeah. And exactly. he scored when but, we beat the Scousers. Yeah. But, but he's the yeah. best. I think to me, he's the best Amber signing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, very was, quickly for the price that we paid and for what he did for the club, and he never really put in bad performances. No, and like you look at it now, God, we'd love a player like that, someone who oh. could just stick in that midfield and have a guaranteed six, a seven out of yeah. ten performance. I would do anything for someone like him back. I mean, quickly uh, on uh, Amber Maguire and Martial. Why is Martial in red and should you be in Amber? And then why is Maguire in Amber and should you be in red? Uh, I mean, yeah, Martial. Martial's just. He gets hard done to because, again, he's had bad periods. But 50 million now is not that much money for the goals that he's scored, for what he's contributed. And, and again, has. Has Martial lived up to everything that he should have lived up to? No. no. But to me, if he had, he'd be a green signing. To be a red signing, you have to have basically done nothing. Has he done nothing? No. Yeah. That, to me, he is the epitome of Amber. He's yeah. been fine. Like, like He's a been Herrera, like a Matic. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, th I think so. And Maguire, Maguire is such a difficult one because... He should have his own. He should, like... like and in between Amber Reg, just like him and Sancho could be in that because there's been good, there's been bad, there's I been guess really bad. Maguire maybe falls into like if we won the Europa League, maybe, but I guess it just. He'd be, I think he'd be green if we won the Europa League. He'd be a green you know, sign if he'd have carried on that form. Exactly, he'd be green he had right a good, now. he had a good season then. I think what doesn't help him is being given the captain's armband, but that that's not his fault. Like you. You've got to you don't say put... no to it. Exactly. You don't say no to being the Manchester United. It's the same as like you don't say no to joining Manchester United. Like people get angry at him for being here. He looking back at it now, we should have never paid that much money for Maguire. And I don't think he is a Manchester United quality player. There have been moments but he probably isn't. But that's not his fault. He's not gonna turn down that move from Leicester to United. Like you know, so you know, it's, it's difficult, but yeah, I think the price is the big one. The price is what probably yeah. pushes it down to red, and the fact that he's yeah. been made captain and hasn't been a good captain. But right. finally, again, he's done oh, more sorry. than a lot of the of the players down yeah. in red. Right. Finally, why is one matter not a green signing, and why the fuck is he red? <laughs> That's brutal. I mean, that is genuinely brutal. I mean, eight years we paid thirty-five million. Eight years. 50 summit goals, 50 summit assists. It's it's a joke. What what was bad about one matter? You see, this is, this is what I'd compare it to. Like obviously the reason that they put him down there is because he didn't quite live up to what he was at say at Chelsea. Okay. But let's take for example James Milner at Liverpool. James Milner has probably not played his best football at Liverpool. But he's come in and done his job as an older player in the squad. He does what he needs when he's relied on. Like, would you put James Milner as a red signing for Liverpool? No. Like, and and that's where Matter fought. Like, Matter is Matter has done what he's needed to do for this squad. He's been reliable when we've needed him. He hasn't hit the heights that he probably could have done in his career. It doesn't mean he's a bad signing. Like, you compare him to all the other players that we've brought in. He's contributed. I say he's his best signing. He's our best signing on in that time period. If ever if he did his thing, they just can do theirs. 
Eight years, 35 million. He scored the goals. He got the assists. He wasn't playing in his proper position. That's not his fault again. He always put 100% in. Exactly. I mean, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, fair enough, free. Cult hero. Bruno Fernandes, he could be very soon dropping Hoamba. <laughs> but at the moment, a green signing. But yeah, I just, the one matter wouldn't confuse me out of them all. But yeah, so I agree mean, with the, everything. At the very minimum, Amber. At the very oh, he, minimum. He's, like, if Red he's Amber, even he's, be a question. No. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. It's crazy. Mental. But yeah, let's go home all a bit happier because the Glazers are considering. See you in the next one.